Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Hey guys, just before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know of something really big that just happened. Uh, two of my friends and some more lost uh, pretty much everything in a fire that happened in their apartment building just a couple nights ago before this episode was launched. And there is a couple GoFundMes for them. They're great friends of mine, and they lost everything but the clothes on their back. And between our entire audience base, we could easily take care of them. So please go check out the um, the GoFundMes in the show notes and go show them some support. It's Felipe Mendez and Orlando Lizardi. And they mean the world to me as human beings, as people. I have a ton of great deal of respect for them. Felipe actually does the... Um, the designs and the graphic design work for Jose Briones on his podcast, Disruptive Adventism. And he has basically um, dedicated himself to ministry and supporting those by in, in graphic design. And so anything we can do to support them and to help them would mean the world to me and would mean the world to them as well. So go check out the GoFundMes. Both links are in the description below. They're both run by Jose Briones. So you know that voice, uh, you know that person, that name, because he hosts Disruptive Adventism and works very closely with Felipe. So um, it is a trustworthy source, I promise. But go check those out, donate, and let's support people that, um, that really need it. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Here's today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Absurdity. We are right in it. Episode 102. Man, is that going to be weird getting used to. Yeah. I I feel like we should just say like two. Just like a restart, a rebirth. (laughs) Welcome to episode two. Uh, We're like a phoenix. Phoenix. Just totally throw everyone off. Like, oh, I thought I was starting at the... Now's the time for rebranding. Absurdity rebranded into a phoenix. No. We call ourselves Gary and the boys true that's exactly what we're going to call ourselves now um (laughs) now welcome to absurdity an exploration of all things absurd in culture religion and society and today i'm excited because for a change we don't have to talk about adventism 
And um, yep. this is great. Uh, this is wonderful. It's going to be nice. Uh, it's going to be nice. This one's going to be fun um, because you and I have not actually talked about this subject yet, literally at all. No. And um, I mean, we both discovered it on our own. Yes. But we haven't discussed it. I have it. no idea what your thoughts are on any of this. Yeah. It's Normally, be fun. we have a general sense of where we stand on an issue before we jump into a recording. But yeah. this is, this this has is been such be, a yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's been a crazy summer, really. Yeah, it's been insane. I'm surprised yeah. that we've managed to stay on top of things. But yeah, so far. Yeah. Well, hey, um, before we jump in to the topic, I do want to let listeners know that we do have a new way to give to the podcast. I know there are some people that are kind of nervous about Patreon, may not like it, may not be a big fan of it. Totally understand. Um, Patreon is still active. Patreon.com slash absurdity podcast. But if you go to theabsurdity.org slash donate, and that link is in the show notes. Um, you can also donate through PayPal, and you can do that as a monthly donation, or you can do that as a one-time donation. There are people that have wanted to donate and support the podcast, so I've created this uh, as an option as well. And you will still get the same perks that you get via Patreon. The difference is that I'll have to email you episodes in advance rather than, um, or like I'll send you files in advance rather than you getting it via Patreon. Uh, the one advantage, the one advantage that Patreon does have if you use it is a, it's less work for me, but b. Uh, it also gives you a private RSS link that you can copy and paste into like Apple podcasts or any sort of podcatching app. And you can actually access the ad free and bonus episodes via any of your favorite podcasting apps. And I haven't figured out exactly how I'm going to, if there's a way I can make that work with um, PayPal donations yet. But if you do want to give and support this, it would mean the world. Um, every dollar helps make this possible and make this better. There are some things that I want to do as far as expansion is concerned. And, um, I'm unable to do them quite yet because we just, I don't have the money to do it. And so, um, if you want to see absurdity grow in its capacity and what it's doing, um, I would highly encourage you to donate and, and to help us out that way. So now that that ask is out of the way, um, let's talk, Tony. Let's talk about it. Let's so, talk about it. Let's talk about the soup cup. Hey, well, today's uh no, we're talking about the tea today. Um so there's yeah, been are. there's been over the last few years, I think there's been this kind of slew of people leaving faith, whether it's pastors that are leaving the faith or whether it's um just Christians in general. But the 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 big thing has been celebrities. Um and I don't mean celebrities like A-listers in Hollywood or even C-listers in Hollywood. I mean celebrities within the evangelical Christian world. And not only are Kind of a lot of them, it seems like a lot of them are leaving. I think the number is actually lower than what we tend to give. I feel, I feel like it just feels like there's more. But um, it, it tends to get on the news more. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing is the that's, that was actually what I was going to say. In addition to people leaving, so is the coverage of people leaving. And so, like, you've got documentaries. I think Vice did a documentary a couple of years ago or a year ago about um, pastors who have left the church and what their deconversion experience was like. And I think vice even interviewed like, yeah, I think vice interviewed like this guy that works with this, this whole like counseling network for pastors who are leaving faith. And I remember in that vice documentary, there was a, there was one pastor who's an atheist and still the church wants her to pastor their church. And so she just gives very kind of humanist kind of the, the values that she used to preach as far as how to treat each other and the importance of community. She just doesn't do it with, Jesus Christ in the mix anymore. And um, so there's been this kind of huge, this, this uptick of that kind of news and that kind of information. But just within the last few months, there's been two really notable people leaving faith. Um, the first one being Josh Harris. And any of you may not know that name, 
But Josh Harris is the guy who wrote the book I Kissed Dating Goodbye, the book that almost every single person, whether they're 13 or in the age of range of like 12 to like 21, hates. Well, even 30. Uh, yeah, even 30. But I mean, like when they're given, like they hate them right Oh, then. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's when they're given and, the book and to read. Most Christians that I know of, just straight Christians, were either forced to read it or read it on their own. So it, it was a really popular book. Yeah, it broke up a lot of relationships. It did help people, like, actually establish their own boundaries and everything. And that's true. Over the last probably three or four years, Josh Harris himself came out against that book. He's like, look, I was 21. I didn't know anything. And I disagree with everything I wrote in that book. And I understand I've caused irreparable damage for a lot of relationships and a lot of people. And I'm sorry. But just... Um, what, like a month ago, maybe he actually announced that he's no longer a Christian. Yeah. Yep. July 28 is when I'm looking at an article and yep. he's saying I'm not, he both announces that he's no longer a Christian and that he is, um, and that he's getting a divorce. Yeah. And, um, in addition to that, he also is supportive and affirm in and affirming to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and, and he included an apology in his kind of in his announcement that he was leaving faith, right? So that happens. People talk about it. Cool. Then the next thing that happens is Marty Sampson, I believe is his name. Yes, Marty Sampson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Marty Sampson leaves faith, and Marty Sampson is one of like the most prolific worship leaders and songwriters within the Hillsong community. Um, if you look at his, if you look at his Wikipedia and look at look at his like his credits. Dude has been on some of the biggest tracks that Hillsong has put out, or at least some of the most he's, he's timeless like, ones. He's like one of the like the four main guys. Yep, and like so, Marty Joel, um, uh, Taya, and there's another guy, and I can't remember his name, but like they're they're the yeah. the main movers. Yes, and so he posts on um, he posts on social media, and I think uh, Relevant grabbed it after that. Is um, either he deleted the post or I don't remember. One of these posts got deleted at one point, but Marty Sanson had been leading worship with Hillsong for 20 years. And he leaves and he says, time for some, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, we'll link them all in the show notes for you, but I'm going to read some, some highlights. Time for some real talk. I'm genuinely losing my faith and it doesn't bother me. Like what bothers me now is nothing. I'm so happy now. So at peace with the world, it's crazy. This is a soapbox moment. So here I go. How many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. How can God be loved yet send 4 billion people to a place all because they don't believe? No one talks about it. Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people, but it's not for me. I want genuine truth and um, says that science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. And um, so you know, some of the general reasons that like, if I'm being honest for, for, for some of this, this sounds like, and, and I'm not trying to make Marty feel sound like he hasn't worked out his faith for himself at any point in time, but this sounds, some of this to me sounds like the typical, like high schooler kid that grew up in yeah. the church and is like starting to question things for himself or herself. And, and so they, they're like, nah, yeah, but the, see all these contradictions I'm out. Um, and I just find that, I I, I I do find that interesting that there's that parallel there. Yeah, because I mean, and it's not a knock on him. The Bible doesn't have contradictions. Um, if you've actually studied it, now if you're a fundamentalist, then you get into a lot of issues. But if you actually study the Bible, um, particularly with the human hermeneutic that uh, Adventists have, which is the historical grammatical, uh, which basically is just the Bible 
was written by humans, but authored by God. So there are, you know, grammatical issues. There's something that it was written in a historical stream, but the Bible doesn't contradict itself. The problem is if you are raised in a place that has a bad hermeneutic and bad theology, not necessarily evil theology or or oppressive theology, but just bad theology, you're going to see it's going to seem that way. Like well, like- he brings up he brings up this idea of like, oh, well, how can he send 4 billion people to, to hell? And I'm like, well, he doesn't. That's bad theology. That's a tradition that is not, it's, it's very clear that that's not a part of yeah. like, the biblical definition of what hell is. Well, I mean, and, but to be fair, there is a criticism of Adventism's interpretation regarding hell. Oh, too. of course. And um, I'm not saying along, that. Along uh, this same exact line by the way, yeah. along the same exact line. Right. And I'm not saying that it's like we have it perfect either. I'm just saying like that's something that somebody who has not figured out his own faith and just is relying on what someone else is saying and hasn't gone through himself and, and actually read through the Bible and been like, all right, well, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? They just go, well, that doesn't seem to go with that. And the guy that I go to for answers didn't have good answers for it. Yeah. And, and I think some of that do like, and I'm not, let me put it, I'm not going to question his motives for leaving. I, I no, think I think he's not. being I think he's being 100% honest here like these are just some reasons and there's no way that you can condense an entirety an entire deconstruction yeah. into yeah. one post of three paragraphs. Like yeah. it's just not going to happen. So no. on Instagram of all places, right? But 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 it is interesting to me like that's those are the points that he went with. So I was like, yeah. all right, well if that's what you're going to if that's what you're going to leave me with, you know what I mean? Like okay, yeah. that's what it's going to sound like. Yeah. It's not, you know, like there are, to me, there are valid reasons for walking away. Um, and, and anyone who feels like they're not following what they believe, they should walk away. Yep. You know, if you're, if you're following something you don't believe, I mean, go for it. You know, um, it's just interesting to me that those were the reasons he picked. Cause I'm like, huh, all right. Yeah. Those, those are very similar to, like you were saying, someone that hasn't really figured out for yeah. themselves and actually stayed through. Well, and so I think it is interesting. I think too, he ends interestingly enough, because he ends on a lot of the values yeah. and principles he would have been singing yeah. about in Hillsong all these years. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. says, um, um, love and forgive absolutely, be kind absolutely, be generous and do good to others absolutely. Some things are good no matter what you believe. Let the rain fall, the sun will come up tomorrow. Um all of those seem very biblical in in their it's just interesting. He basically casts off the supernatural aspect, but t- keeps the moral or ethical teachings um, that he grew up with, which is fine. Everyone does a bit of straining when they're when they're figuring out what they do and don't believe anymore. So it's fine. Like I mean, literal straining, like like a strainer, like you know, a filter, basically yeah, filters. Yeah, filters. Um, and so I get it. Um, and look, I get that he left. And honestly, for someone whose entire career is based on this, like we've talked about this before when I think we did an episode on can can pastors question their faith. And it's very difficult to do so when you realize that you're going to give up your basic your entire livelihood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's really hard. Now, granted, I'm not as, I'm not as worried anymore as I used to be about that because someone like Marty within the atheist community will likely get just as much attention. Because in the same way that Christians like to latch on to atheists who convert into Christianity, we go, oh, look at this. See, we were like it, it, as evidence that we were right. Atheists yeah. will do the same thing. And the bigger the name they can do it, the better. Well, um, it was like it was like when everyone was going nuts over Stephen Hawking saying, no, there is a God. I was like, ah, uh, 
Yeah. Like, I was very skeptical at a young age. And then, of course, he flip-flopped again, which is not to knock him. I'm just saying, like, everyone latched on, and it was like, eh, eh, hold on, because he's not really, that's really not what he's saying. And then, sure enough, he was like, nope, there isn't a God. And I was like, oh, uh, you know, yeah. that kind of a th- Yeah. And it happens a lot. It does happen a lot. Um, the other one was Malcolm Gladwell. You know what I mean? Like, everyone just latched on. And I go, the dude's an author. He's a very, very smart mm-hmm. author, but, like, He's not a theologian. Why are we super excited that? I mean, I I'm super excited that anybody believes. I think it's awesome when anyone believes because I do believe that in my own genuine heart, your life is going to be better when you follow Christ. But I don't think, I don't I don't think a celebrity following, um, or even a a super intelligent or well read person, intellectual person, um. I don't think that's any more or less important than Joe Schmo or Jane Schmain, who, you know, joins up out of the blue. Um, you know, I, th- I think it's all exciting. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, but the but we tend to latch onto them. We tend to be like, oh, see, this is proof of X. Yeah. And, and, and well, well, what's interesting to me is because of that nature, people tend to react very strongly to that. Yes. To, to those conversions one way or the other. Yeah, no, that, that, and I think this is exactly what we're going to dive into today, which is the idea that people do react pretty, pretty strongly to this stuff. And I think this is, uh, this is a perfect example of John Cooper from Skillet, which if you've never heard Skillet, um, it's like the, one of the biggest Christian rock bands, um, they were were hard. They were pretty hard. Yeah. They've gotten, I think they have some really, really soft songs too. Oh no, they um, do. But, yeah, but, but just compared to like where Christianity yeah. was in the nineties, you know what I mean? Yeah, and they've been going for twenty years as well. Like yeah. they've been they've been yeah. going a while. And so John Cooper, the lead, the front man for for Skillet, um, he posts on Facebook on on August thirteenth, right? So just five days ago, or I guess the time people are hearing this two weeks ago. But um, so he jumps in, and he 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 feels it's his duty because it's too important for him not to say it. Any, any questions? What is happening in Christianity? Once again, links in the show notes. Not going to read it all, but just the highlights. Um, it says, more and more of our outspoken leaders or influencers who were once faces of the faith are falling away. And at the same time, are being very vocal and bold about it. Shockingly, they still want to influence others, in parentheses, for what purpose, as they announce that they are leaving the faith. I'll state my conclusion, then I'll state some rebuttals to statements I've read by them. So he has this long post, right? And what I find interesting is he prefaces it by saying, firstly, I never judge people outside of my faith, even if they hate religion or Christianity. That's not my place. I have many friends who, I love this. I have many friends who disagree with my religion, and that is 100% fine with me. I have black friends. I'm not racist. That's what he just said. A little bit. A little little bit. bit. However, when it comes to people within my faith, there must be a measure of loyalty and friendship and accountability to each other in the word of God. All right. So first of all, he opens by judging the people who've fallen away and are still posting about it. Then he says he doesn't judge because he has friends that he doesn't judge. And then um, he says that people within his faith need to be held accountable. So he first, he first addresses the church. He says, my conclusion for the church, all of us Christians, is that we must stop making worship leaders and thought leaders or influencers or cool people or relevant people the most influential people in Christendom. And yes, that includes people like me. I've been saying for 20 years that we are in a dangerous place when the church is looking to 20-year-old worship singers as our source of truth. We now have a church culture that learns who God is from singing modern praise songs rather than the teachings of the word. 
I'm not being rude to my worship leader friends and saying that singers and musicians are good at communicating emotion and feeling. We create a moment and a vehicle for God to speak. However, singers are not always the best people to write solid Bible truth and doctrine. Sometimes we are too young, too ignorant of Scripture, too unaware, or too unconcerned about the purity of Scripture and the holiness of the God we are singing to. Um, cool. So I actually agree with a lot of that. Um, 100% agree with a lot of that. I do think we should stop making cool people and relevant and good speakers, and, and I include myself in that. In fact, in any episode, it should, like, if you think, if you ever come to a moment where you think, surely Ryan would not do this terrible thing, or you think, surely Tony would not do this terrible thing, surely they're different, then you have a problem. And we have a problem because maybe we've presented ourselves as being more perfect than we are, um, which is hard for me to do because I'm already perfect. But you can't really present yourself as more perfect if you're already perfect. But I think... I believe in more perfection. Thank you. Um, I, I think that, like... I think you have a problem if you start to believe that someone isn't capable of doing a bad thing or someone bad isn't capable of doing a good thing. Absolutely. That's, I think, and that, that includes us. If you think, ah, Ryan would never say this thing or, or do this thing. No, yes, I would like, just assume that, assume that everyone would and leave yourself room to be pleasantly surprised when they don't do it. Almost like Daniel Tosh has a fun bit about this. I'm not advocating you listen to Daniel Tosh, but he talks about how every time there's this serial killer, like his neighbors and friends and family, like, I can't imagine he'd do it. He's like, well, then you're an idiot. Like, I love my mom. But if the next day, you know, someone was like, she murdered 14 babies, he'd be like, you know what? I've seen her look at babies before. I could see it. Yeah. I could see it. And it's, it's, it's in a funny way. But that's the truth is like every single one of us is capable of terrible, terrible things. History proves that over and over and over again. Yeah. And and if you, do, I mean, just even recently, look at the Rwandan genocides. Look at uh, what was going on in, in Germany in World War II and the German-occupied countries where people were just straight turning a blind eye to the yep. atrocities going on. Um, soldiers that were like, well, that's bad, but, I, you know, I'm just going to let it happen. And and that's the point. It's like, no, we are totally capable of terrible, terrible things. Um, the mob mentality is a phenomenon that, you know, we will we will just because everyone else is doing it, we will do something crazy. Um, that's totally out of our character because all of a sudden there's just something that takes over. So yeah, anyone is capable of anything. And and I've always said this: um, anyone is capable of bringing someone else to Jesus Christ. Everyone is capable of leaving the faith. Yeah. And and you just have to have that mentality of like, there's no way this person, just because someone has great, incredible truth and brings you to the faith doesn't mean that they themselves cannot lose that faith and walk away. Yep. It doesn't mean that what they said wasn't true. It just means that they no longer believe it. Well, and let's like, let's be clear. If you could have imagined that person would do that terrible thing, you would have reported it or said something. Right. So yeah. really, when we say, I couldn't have imagined that person doing it, really what you're trying to do is vindicate yourself. That's all we're doing. I would have never imagined. I'm not involved in it. That's what you're saying. Yeah, because like, you totally see weird stuff all the time. Yeah. And I'm not saying and, it's bad to vindicate and, yourself. If you really didn't know, you didn't know. But like yeah. that's my point. If you did know, you would have said something. So, of course. Um, I just think that there's there's this idea of we we do build up people too much. And when those people fail expectations, we blame it on those people. We all of a sudden, yeah, we or 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 we are we are shocked and amazed that that could possibly happen as if they are incapable of doing that. Yeah, exactly. as if that was not a possibility. You know, yes, yay, the whole world may fall, but they may not. It's like no, 
that's God. Like you've put them in a place where they are divine and that that's dangerous. Yep. So, so now, uh, John continues. This one's a long one, but I'm going to just hit his main points. I'm going to try not to, I'm not going to try and like read a whole bunch of this. I'm yeah. just going to, he, he, he literally lists them out in order. One, two, three, it's, four. And it, yeah. You kind of have to do it this way. Cause yeah. it's, so he he says I have a few specific thoughts and rebuttals to statements made by recently disavowed church influencers. I love the uh, I love the passive aggressive uh, aggression here, right? To disavow church influence, we know who you're talking about, dude. Just say it. Like, what are you doing? Just say it. So he says, first of all, I'm stunned by the seemingly most important. I'm stunned that the seemingly most important thing for these leaders who have lost their faith is to make such a bold new stance. Um, basically saying I've been leading this thing for 20 years, led generations of people with my teachings, and now I no longer believe it. Therefore, I'm going to boldly and loudly tell people it was all wrong while I boldly and loudly lead people into my next truth. And so he says, I'm, I'm perplexed why they aren't embarrassed, humbled, ashamed, fearful, confused. Why be so eager to continue leading people when you don't know where you're headed? Cool. Second thought, why do people act like being real covers a multitude of sins? As someone, as if someone is courageous simply for sharing virtually, or sharing virally every thought or dark place. Um, all right, cool. Then, thirdly, there is a common thread running through these leaders and influencers that basically says that no one else is talking about the real stuff, and that's just flatly false. I just read today in a renowned worship leader statement: How could a God send a God of love send people to hell? No one talks about it, as if he is the first person to ask this. Um, the church has wrestled with it for over 1,500 years. Children talk about it in Sunday school. And there's like a billion books written about it. Just because you, and this is, okay, this is, the, this is probably the one point in this that I agree with more than anything else, which is he says, and, and this is worth reading the, the last line of, he says, just because you don't get the answer you want doesn't mean that we are unwilling to wrestle with it. Um, and he says, we wrestle with scripture until we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Um, I, I love this because typically we say, I think, I think what we all mean when we say we don't, no one's talking about this is um, we say people aren't talking about it in my circle or people aren't talking about it in the way that I think they should talk about it or they're, they're not, they don't have the angle that I think they should have. Um, and I think that's, that's, I, I can agree with a lot. I can agree with the, the general sentiment of that. Uh, lastly, and most shocking in my opinion, as these, and this is, I'm quoting, as these influencers disavow their faith, they always end their statements with their new insight or new truth that is basically a regurgitation of Jesus' words. I'm disavowing my faith, but remember, love people, be generous, and forgive others. And here he makes Which the, is, I mean, he's basically straight quoting Mark yes. Samson at that point. Yep. So if he wasn't being passive-aggressive earlier, he is now. Um, so Mostly he, just aggressive-aggressive at that point. Yep. So he makes the case here with this last one where he says, those are biblical principles taught by a prophet, priest, and king of kings who wants us to live by a higher standard, which is not an earthly standard, but the kingdom of God. Therefore, if Jesus is not the truth, and if the word of God is not absolute, then by preaching Jesus' teachings, you are endorsing the words of a madman. Um, uh, he, and, then he claim, and then he brings up a bunch of the fanatical or fantastic claims that Jesus makes. Um, so then why would a disavowed Christian leader promote that generosity is good when a madman is the one who taught it? Um, how would you know what is good without Jesus teaching? And will your ideas of what is good be different a year from, from year to year based on your experience, cultural trends, popular opinion, et cetera? Um, I'm amazed that so many Christians want the benefits of the kingdom of God, but with a caveat that they themselves will be the king. And then he ends by calling the church basically to 
rediscover the preeminence of the word, to value the teaching of the word, and to value truth over feeling and truth over emotion. So, um, cool. I get why he says this. I get why he feels the need to say it. I, um, I don't think this was really necessary. And I think, I honestly think it would have probably been more effective had he actually just called up Marty. And I think if he was going to say anything, I think the only thing in this whole, whole note, this whole Facebook post that he says, I think the only thing that he should have said was that second paragraph written to the church. Um, if there's anything that he should have said, I think the one written to the church is the one. Yeah. I, that has I, the most value. Yeah. I honestly don't like this at all. I'm going to, I'm just going to be hundred percent honest. I really don't like this, this, this entire statement from, from John Cooper. Um, and I find it funny that he made it because he went on bad Christian podcast recently and they asked him tough questions and he refused to answer them. And it's hilarious that he refused to, and like it causes huge backlash among bad Christian listeners because they, um, they were like, wow, he's not willing to take a stand for anything. Now he did. And I think this is, I just think it's funny that suddenly he, he's got courage now. Um, and my issue with this is a, the whole thing very much is judgmental because this entire thing is basically questioning the, it's not even questioning. It's assuming the motives of Marty Sampson and, uh, Josh Harris. That's what it's doing. It's absolutely assuming the, um, the motives of them on top of that, it's completely ignoring the context that they come from. Um, and I'll, I'll get to that, I guess, that with the next part that we talk about. But I, I just think, A, um, I think we do ourselves no favors when we demonize those who, um, who leave the camp or who are not in Christianity. I think we do ourselves a huge disservice when we demonize them by saying, you can't believe what we believe without believing in Jesus too. Like, you can't, you can't live the way that we live without believing in Jesus too. How dare you? Like, it's almost like we're personally insulted that someone would do something good or something kind or something loving or forgiving someone um, without also believing in Jesus. Like, no, that's our belief. How dare you take that from, from God? Um, and, and, and I don't like that at all. Like, this, this, is, this to me just reads incredibly condescending. And I get that he's writing from a place of frustration and hurt and annoyance and anger, but it's, it, it is really really judgmental and condescending in its tone in my opinion i don't know what are your what are your thoughts on this one uh what concerns me about um well, cooper uh john cooper's response is not what he said necessarily but the fact that he's not focused on an individual who's clearly in pain and and in a, I mean, I hate to, I, it makes it sound like anyone who's not a Christian is just wandering blindly in the dark, slamming into people. I'm like, look, you can leave. I told, I told this probably to kids who were a little bit too young, but I go, you can leave the church and you will have good days. Like it's probably easier leaving Christianity. Um, you're once you're actually out and established. Yeah. But, yeah. Once you're out, like it's, it's probably an easier life. Uh, Cause you can just do what you want. Um, but I believe that when the dark days come, that it's a lot harder. Like you don't have anything to rely on. It's great, uh, or quote unquote easier when everything is fine. But on those really, you know, when life really hits you, I believe that having a 
uh, having a belief in God, having a faith in God, um, and having a God that responds, you know, I believe in a providential God, um, a God that exists in the here and now. And he, he comes to my aid and my comfort and my rescue, not in, in Proverbs, uh, in old writings, but in a very real presence. And I believe that even on the good days or great days that he's still there, but it really comes out in the hard times. And I, as a human being, find that most of my growth comes from when God is asking me to grow more like him. I become a better person when that happens. Now, that being said, when someone leaves, I care more about the individual than the hurt they're doing. Because to me, I always say, look for the second layer. Um, If you know anything about, like, irony, there's always this thing called um, Socratic irony. And it's like a third level. Like there's the beginning of satire. There's like a second level of irony. And then there's this third deep, deep level of of irony. And I always say when everyone speaks, there's a surface meaning, there's a secondary meaning. But oftentimes you have to look for the third hidden, like why did this come about? And to me with Marty Sampson, I think we talked about it very quickly. Like I think he's just starting to figure out his own faith. And he's realizing that people don't have answers and he hasn't. It seems on the on the surface, I have not talked to him. I have not done in-depth research into his spiritual journey. I'm only going on what he has put out there publicly. But going off of what he has put publicly, it sounds like this is this is a guy who's reeling because everything that he has taken as fact, he now has to decide for himself. And he goes, Well, then if that's all I have to if if all I have to decide is based on the actions of these Christians, uh, then I decide that that's not valid. Yeah. Um, and, and instead of seeing someone who is in pain, because going through a divorce is, uh, you know, I listened to a podcast recently by Andy Richter and he was talking about how he never cried, and, but he's going through a divorce and he's crying more in the last four months than he has, he thinks, in his whole life. And he goes, you know, sometimes he's talking about being vulnerable. And he goes, you know, sometimes I can be a little bit too vulnerable with people. You know, the security guard's just like, uh, sir, this is a Wendy's. Like, <laughs> you know, please don't, you know, I don't know how to do it. But he goes, but I, I'm fine with that. But that's the reality is divorce is horrible. It, it's this terrible, painful thing. So for Joshua Harris to admit I'm no longer a Christian and I'm going through a divorce, instead of attacking him, well, I don't believe Jesus would be like, oh, you don't believe in me? Come here. It's okay. We'll deal with that later. I just want to hug you right now because you're going through something. Um. Even people who attack me, I, my natural reaction is to slap back, you know, to clap back right at them because it's the natural human reaction. But then I've prayed long and long and hard, you know, God allow me to see beyond that, to to see beyond enough and to have the self-control enough to not react to the situation so that I can say, hey, clearly this is someone who is in pain. This is an individual who needs love more now than when they're supporting me and affirming me. It's Mm. when they leave their faith that they need the most love and support from the Christian community. And it bugs me that that, that to me is what I find the most. We tell them they were never really a Christian or we tell them. Yeah. And we we go after them instead of, you know, and to me, I'm like, well, is that what Jesus does to the sheep that lost its way? You know, I, you know, I have to be careful when I say this, because I believe his heart was in the right place, but I also believe that the road to hell is lined with the good intentions. Uh, the pastor up at Oshkosh, the Oshkosh camping, it just came down from that. He did a sermon on Sabbath morning, and he talked about the three lost people, and, and he described it in a way that I feel was not accurate. 
and some people may disagree with me, uh, but he he but he talked about these stories, and even this guy that I think was not doing completely correct theology, even though he was he was he stereotyped. Uh, 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 stereotyped and and combine an entire generation into oh these millennials that just walk away he was saying you go out and you go find the lost sheep you go find it so when someone walks away you go find them you go to them and you and you find them and you rescue them um not in a violent way but obviously in a loving way and you go and you love them they've walked away therefore you go love them mm-hmm. and i'm like yeah even someone i disagree with i'm like no that was correct that was right. That's what you're supposed to do. You go find them and you love them. And to me, that's just the opposite of what they were doing. That's the opposite of what this, this uh, post has in mind. It's a way of, and I get, like you said, he's frustrated. He's, you know, seeing these type of things. And to me, that's why, because I actually agree with some of the stuff he says there. I mean, I think it is wrong for us to deify these people. And, you know, I, I think there are a lot of things. I think if he, if he made it a lament to the church that look at these people who are now in pain, um, who are leaving the church, we've done something wrong, not look at them, they're doing something wrong. I think if he'd done it that way as a lament yep. and, and we, we need to do better, come on, family, you know, come on, fam, we can do better. We, we need to start changing this because this is going to keep happening as long as we, we, you know, don't admit these faults. Uh, I would have been okay with it. Yeah. I would have been okay with a lot of it. Well, and I think it would have changed the language what he used because, again, I, I, I don't think you should ever go after him, you know, um, yeah. but, but it would have changed the language. Yep. And let's let let me be clear too with the comment that I made about Marty being it, it sounds like he parallels a high schooler or college kid questioning his faith. Like that's not a bad thing. It, yeah, I no, just no, found no, the no, parallel no. interesting. So I just want to go and, back and defend and, that because I was like, wait a minute, you guys said no. We, I mean, we just found it interesting. No, but and I, and and that's not demeaning anyway. I'm like, I'm not demeaning him for doing that. I'm no. just saying that it sounds like that's something that I think a lot of people who are fairly new in their faith ha- also go through. Yeah, they go through a similar struggle like that, where they look at people and they realize people are a fallible, and then that, you know, uh, when they put their belief systems on a person or someone who gives them answers instead of searching it out for themselves. Yeah, not saying that he isn't, but I'm saying it, I that's where the parallels are. It's yeah. not demeaning. Well, and I think too the 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 other side of this is we we tend to just see the announcement. We don't really see the journey that took place, and so it seems like all these things are happening out of nowhere. But really, this is these are probably the result of of them thinking and praying and talking and and journeying through this for years. Um, it, it, this isn't something that just one day they woke up and said, "Up, oh, not a Christian anymore." Sorry, um, they you know these these are real journeys that people had, and all and we try to we try to just judge their entire experience based off of one's social media post. And I think Marty and here's and, and like, well, that's all we have. But I think so Marty Sampson sees John Cooper's response to him. So he responds again in another yeah. Instagram post, a rebuttal to the rebuttal. Yeah. And this, I agree with more so than almost anything else. Um, yeah. This is what I love. Yeah. And, and um, I, if I had to take a side, if there were sides, um, there's a lot here with Marty that I resonate with more so than John. Um, and this doesn't mean I'm an atheist, so chill, everybody. Um, he says, to think that I am trying to influence others without even asking me 
if that is my intention, is offensive. Did I write an article on myself in Relevant Magazine or Christian Post quoting myself? Do I need this kind of criticism and an honest examination of what I believe from complete strangers? I have never even met you, yet you presume to know me or people like me? I only ever posted about this. This is what I mean by context in that in an earlier comment, right? He says, I only ever posted about this to explain to people, 4K followers on Insta, I may add, where I was at in an honest and genuine way, not to influence them and their beliefs, not to draw attention to myself, not to have a voice, to wrestle and to learn and to grow and to present. And here, here we go. This is it. And to present my current state of mind and heart to explain to people why I'm not, quote, coming back to Hillsong or, or answer the question, when, I'm, when, I, when am I going to sing on the next United song? That right there is the context that John ignores. These are people that will constantly be badgered and they've lived their life in the spotlight. And they almost have a duty to their followers to let them know, hey, I'm no longer the thing that you expected me to be. And that you're used to me being. My life has right. changed and I'm not no longer going to be providing the service. What would you be? Would you be like, I, I think I remember. Yes, I do remember this. A friend of mine worked at Best Buy and she showed up for work one day and the Best Buy was closed completely. It was just closed. The um, she showed up for work. There was a sign on the door. This Best Buy is shut down permanently. There was no notice that she didn't have a job anymore. There's nothing. Just she showed up for work. No one called her. No job. And so do you, do you want that from people like Marty? Right? He's, he's, he's like Best Buy, no longer providing a service. He's letting you know, I'm no longer going to be doing the thing that, that you thought I was doing. Um, and so then Samson turns it on its head. And I love that he's being very straightforward with this too, right? Where John was like, I'm going to talk about all these influencers passive aggressively. Marty jumps in on this straightforward. Instead of people like you asking genuine questions, you jump to conclusions when you could easily ask, who's trying to influence whom? Why, when someone is influencing others, does this cause the kind of, oh, this was, this is, this is my favorite line, I think. Why, when someone is influencing others, does this cause the kind of panic in a truth so strong that it cannot be shaken? I, for one, don't see this kind of shock and horror in the scientific community when a theory is usurped by a new and contradicting theory. Perhaps this is the nature of religion. Say what you will. I have no opinion on you or your life. I do. This is why I think Marty's actually been atheist for a good while before he's announced this, because he's already starting to use language and, ter- and phrasing and terminology that that tends to be used by atheists for a while. Um, but I think I also think that there's to some extent I, I have seen instances where the scientific community has reacted with vitriol to competing theories. So I, you know, not going to say anything to that, but really like John Cooper is the one who wrote with the express intent of influencing people. While John reads in and projects onto Marty and Josh, this desire in themselves to influence others away from faith. And I find that really ironic. I find that really interesting. And I find that really terrible to be honest with you. Um, well, I, I think John is actively trying to influence people. And I think what guys like Marty and, and Josh are doing are letting people are just being honest. And I think uh, that's why I appreciate Marty. I appreciate, I honestly, like, I really appreciate people who leave the faith and who have the guts to do so. The people who, who I, I'm not saying that, um, it's the ideal, not, nor am I, I, but I think the kind of courage that they show is a kind of courage that more Christians should show in questioning their own faith. I think, um, I do think there are some who 
who question and they just don't like the answers, so they walk away. Fair enough. Um, I also think others who don't want to accept the answers, fair enough. Or they're looking for a very particular one and they walk away. Cool. Um, but I think by and large, just the just the willingness to question their faith and to challenge. Um, there, most atheists, I feel like, know stuff better than I do in my own faith. Um, there's a lot of atheists that I feel that way because they've spent years and years and years interacting with this in a way that, in a way that's unique from the way that I have. And so they may be able to, but this is what I find interesting. While, while I typically I find atheists better at recalling facts or verses from scripture, they have a harder time with the principles behind them. So they're really good at basically throwing verses at you back at you the way that, and proof texting you in reverse but I don't see them do a lot of the other kind of work. And fair enough, they don't believe the other kind of work is necessary. They, the quotes can be taken at face value. But ultimately, I tend to be with Marty here, like in defense of atheism, I would say um, I'm grateful for it because there's no better sounding alarm that, you're, that something is wrong in the house, that, something is going, that something's going on, than when someone leaves. That's why in interventions and when, when people go into deep into addiction, one of the first things that happens is their social circle changes. Uh, or one of the last things that happen is the people that love them the most finally kind of stop enabling them. And when that happens, they go, uh, um, they go, Oh no, something's wrong here. People are walking away from me. I've done something terrible. The people I thought never would leave are leaving. Something's wrong. And I think that's the kind of sound alarm we should have, whether we've been addicted to a certain way of life in Christianity, a certain expectation or culture, whether we've been addicted to, or, you know, whatever it is, I don't just mean to say it within the framework of addiction, but whatever patterns and traditions we've fallen into that are causing this kind of thing to happen, we need to, including attacking those who leave the faith, I think um, there needs to be a, I think we do need to look inward and say, what are we doing that's causing this and how can we fix it? Because right now, the, the, the reaction I see to people like Marty, if there's anyone else who's questioning their faith, anyone else who's questioning their faith, saying, I don't know about this, and they see Christianity's reaction to this, they go, well, if I'm not sure this exists and all these people are treating someone like this this way, then I'm out. I don't want a part of this. Like, we're, if anything, we're adding to the, by, by treating these people with hatred, vitriol, and judgment, if anything, we're giving those that are doubting faith and on the edge of it all the more reason to leave. And that's tragic to me. Yeah, I... It's it's a rough situation because I think that's part of it. Um, I think the other part really is that Marty and Josh did have a huge influence. And whether or not they wanted it, whether or not they intended for it, whether or not that's something that um, they benefited from. Um, the reality is they did benefit benefit from it they built careers off of being influencers yeah so i think john does have a right in a sense to call them out um i think it's i, I mean I sure wonder, but i wonder were... in some instances if there wasn't like a controversy you know that kind of because I, I a lot of hillsong is now starting to examine their faith. There was an interesting article written by Relevant Magazine uh, with uh, Joel and a couple other uh, of the the leaders there, and they're like, yeah, you know, we're really stopping and examining our faith instead of just cranking out. And to me, and that sounds horrible, but 
the last couple of albums that they've made, I kind of, I've, I felt personally, and I'm not describing this to anything else, but I felt like with Hillsong United, I'm like, they don't feel as spiritual. They don't feel as biblically significant. To me, the last one that I truly, truly felt moved by was Zion. And I felt like it was very biblical. I felt like it had a lot of scriptural uh, connections. And the last couple albums that have come out have just, they just felt very light and fluffy to me. Nothing really stood out. Nothing felt, it didn't feel deep. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, a, it could be a personal style. I don't know. But I found it interesting that, that all of a sudden this came out and they were like, yeah, you know, we kind of just, we're, we stopped to examine our faith and we're not sure and all this different stuff. And I go, well, okay, that's, it's interesting to me. Um, I think it's important that we as, People who have influence are aware that every decision you make, especially if you're going to benefit from that influence, um, it's going to put you in the public light. So you, uh, that's why people like Conor McGregor, you know, going nuts and, oh, well, you know, I didn't, you know, this guy, they come after me because I'm a celebrity. It's like, well, yeah, but you're making money off being a celebrity. So you are in fact entitled to having people's opinions. You know what I mean? Like you've put yourself in the public limelight. Therefore the public's going to have something to say to you. Um, it's just, you know, a, a, a occupational hazard, unfortunately. Um, and, and that's not to, everyone has to grow. I'm, I'm totally willing to, you know, mature, move on, do that type of thing, but also be aware that you, you can't cry foul. So I think John Cooper has a right to say something about that. Again, I think the tone is wrong. I think that the spirit of it is wrong. I think what he says has some value, and I think we need to examine that. I think it's important to examine that. But I I don't want to say that anyone who's struggling with their faith should be quiet about it. That's not what I'm trying to say. Um, I think you need to be aware that when you have an influence, um you're going to have backlash. Mm. You're going to have people who disagree with you. I told my little brothers the other day, and I was somewhat quasi-joking with them. I go, leadership is you making decisions and everybody getting angry at you. Um, Because they were talking about like, oh, you know, I want to be a big leader when I grow up. And I go, okay, but just be aware that leadership is basically you making a decision. People paying you to make a decision, you make a decision, and everyone gets mad at you. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so to me, I kind of understand where John Cooper's coming from, where it's like, dude, you were an influencer and now the, the thing that gave you so much money, now all of a sudden you're, it, it, it feels disingenuous that you're trying to keep that same spirit uh, from the thing that gave you money while walking away from the core part of that culture. Um, or but belief what, system. I get, but what spirit is he keeping? I don't understand. Which the, is the, it's the humanity of it. That, Cause here's the thing. And I will say the this. Whole he, mentioned real. This, he mentioned this, that musicians have a better, do a better job often of creating or expressing feeling. So they create a feeling for the Holy spirit to move, but don't really do a great job. Uh, a lot of times of uh, theology. So it feels a little disingenuous that he's trying to keep that same feeling of happy, you know, warm, let's all get together and and enjoy life. Um, but do it, you know, so and 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 that's what John I think is trying to say. Now that being said, I think that's unfair. I do think it's unfair because I, I was gonna don't say think, I try I think that I think I that don't is unfair. think that that's what Marty was trying to do. 
but I can understand why it would feel a little disingenuous if, if say, for instance, all of a sudden, um, let's put it in a secular context. Let's say, uh, uh, what's his name? The really old white guy with the with the be- uh, 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 the braids, country singer. Oh, Man, um, uh, wow. I know. I want to say Waylon Jennings, but it's not. And it's like the most obvious name ever. No. Anyway, Willie, Willie Nelson. Nelson. Willie Nelson. Willie, Willie Nelson. We've got so let's the, the exact same time. I know, right? Yeah, right. Uh, let's say that Willie Nelson all of a sudden comes out and says, no, I am totally pro, pro-gun, pro-violence, pro-war, all these types of things. But, hey, man. You know, like let's keep let's keep pulling weed. Let's keep getting together as a, as a you know, as a um, community. You know, the government's good, but hey, we can still love each other. And it's like, okay, well, it feels a little disingenuous that you're trying to keep the same crowd that you're with that that gave you all that fame and money, but then completely shift everything. The, the central core of who he was was this kind of anti, yeah. you know, establishment person. And all of a sudden he flips around and it's like, no, the man's cool. It, it feels, it, it would feel disingenuous in that way. And so in that way, I can, I can somewhat understand where John Cooper is coming from when he's like, dude, Jesus is the one who gave you all these morals. You're going to walk away from him, but then still try to keep the audience. That's but I don't, not, I don't, I don't think that's what the audience, I, but I don't think that's what Marty and Josh are doing. And no, so I think that, he's assuming sense, it. Yes. I, and that's where I'm going. Yeah, like that, I'm with you that he's assuming that. But the sad thing is there are so many people who have done exactly that. In fact, I, I haven't read it, but I just saw an interview where Billy Graham's grandson or something had a controversy. And instead of like apologizing, he like doubles down or something like that. Like, I want to read through it more. I just kind of saw the blurb of it. Um, but it's kind of like that where it's like, there are so many people who have kind of had these moments where they've had opportunities to be genuine, to say, I'm losing my faith or whatever. And said, they try to drag, you know, the audience along because they don't want to lose the paycheck. And I think that's what John is, is responding to. And I think it's a little bit unfair that Marty and Josh happen to be caught in the crossfires because again, my, my, my answer to all that is I wish he had looked at the individual and said, look, you are going through something and I am so sorry. Um, how can I help? Because yeah. to me, what would, what would, what would signify better what Christ did on his earth than someone coming up and, and pardon the, pardon the kind of pun, I guess, pontificating about how evil you are or someone just coming through and say, my brother, Marty, is going through something. If you need anything, let me know. I am praying for you as you go through this transition. I'm, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. If, if let's, if you want to journey together, let's journey together. What would be more influence? And, and I'd like to add, what would be more likely to keep him to, to help him return to the church? Cause he didn't say I have completely lost my faith. He said, it's very close. Mm-hmm. And he clarified that in his second statement. And I go, what is going to make him come back more? Someone who's loving and reaching out and saying, let's journey together, man. And if you don't come out the way that we do, that's fine. But let's journey together. I love you. I know what it's like to be in the public eye. I know what it's like to have that kind of pressure. I know what it's like to to struggle with your faith. Let's, let's journey together, man. Yeah. Or, you know what? I'm so sick and tired of these people being so, so two-faced and, and hypocritical. 
you know, I, even if that's true, what's going to what's going to represent Christ better? What's going to make them join and what's going to make them say, "See, I told you this is how they'd react." That's so that, that's my two cents I guess on that situation. Yeah. I I I understand trying to like I do think if if there's a bad guy here, I don't I don't think any of them are trying to be the bad guy. But I think the person who does the more egregious thing is John out of out of them. Um, and I, I mean, because yeah. I agree with a lot of what he says, I don't think, I think well, we should value the preeminence of yeah. the word. I think we shouldn't, um, I think we shouldn't, um, idolize leaders and speakers and, and people right. who are high quality in production. Right. I, 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 there's a lot here. I, it's I a do great, think that we, he had, he had such a great line where he said, you know, just because we don't come with the answer or just because we don't get the answer we expect doesn't mean we stop wrestling the scripture. Yes. And I go, that's such a great line. It just happens to be sandwiched in this yeah. angry thing. Yeah. I think my thing with Marty too is I, I really don't, I think I see him trying to, do his do his readers and his followers justice by letting them know where he's at. Um, and I think the other thing he's trying to do here, I think I, when I read this from Marty, this original statement too, I see it a little bit of fear of him thinking that he's going to be labeled this bad person because he thinks the way he thinks now. And that's why I think at the end he says what he says about being kind and love and forgive absolutely. He's saying, look, I'm not, I, I may not believe this anymore, but I think that, um, but I want you guys to know, I still believe that, loving is important and being kind is important. And I'm suddenly not a bad person because I like, it, it, it sounds like he's, yeah. he's really trying to preemptively defend any of any sort of kind of argument that way that would be against yeah. him. But I think he's he, not like sacrifice yeah. all the babies. You yes. Know, he hasn't. Yeah. Right. But I think, but, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I think he can have those beliefs without Jesus. And I think it's okay to have that. Um, I think you can I, believe things. I think you can hold love and, and, kindness and forgiveness as a value and as an ethic without, without God. For sure. And I think, I think it comes from God, whether or not you acknowledge it. Fair. You can still do that without acknowledging who God is. Yeah. Fair. And, and, and so, but that's my point is you can do it as far as claiming independence from God. Yeah. And that's, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Which is part of free will. I mean, that's, that's part of free will. Like, I don't get why Christians are so angry by that. I'm like, no, that's free will. Like that they're doing exactly what God get. Like if God had said, don't do that. And then they like, I'm more offended by Christians. Not be, not acting like Christ than I am by people who don't believe acting as those who do believe. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm way less offended by an atheist doing something good than I am by a Christian doing something bad. Yeah. Because I'm like, if you're claiming to be a Christian, you need to act that truth out. Mm-hmm. And and we all make mistakes. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not here to hold anyone's feet to the fire. If anything, I'm holding my own feet to the fire. But I am way less offended by an atheist, you know, rescuing puppies or saying, Hey, we need to not burn this world to the ground. You know, let's let's, you know, maybe, you know, stop corporations from completely destroying this planet. That doesn't offend me because I'm like, well, they're taking care of the planet. That's God gave us stewardship of the planet. I believe that I'm less offended by that or or whatever than I am by a Christian not doing it. It's the story of, you know, the Good Samaritan. And I think that's really it is, you know, if Marty is our thief that has been waylaid by the the demons of get old Southern Baptist in here. If Marty is the poor soul who's been waylaid by the demons of doubt. Yeah. We must be the good Samaritan who walks by and binds him with our oil yep. of love and well, healing. I don't and then, know. and then you've got, and the then you've got, broke down. In, in addition to you, you want to know the, 
This is really annoying. I just saw this because in the article that Marty Sampson's original statement yeah. is, they they at the bottom they add some tweet res, tweet responses from notable yeah. Christians or whatever from Twitter. Ken Ham joins in, the guy behind oh the Creation Museum yeah. and, and, and Ark Answers and in Genesis yeah. and all that, right? So Very he smart says, man. Yep. So he says popular Hill songs. Uh, songwriter Marty Sampson walks away. He specifically mentions science, trying to understand a loving God and people going to hell and supposed Bible contradictions. And he claims no one talks about such matters. And then he goes, and then Kid Ham does this. He goes, actually, that's probably true in many churches and homes, but it's not true at Answers in Genesis and no, our two no, attractions, no, Ark Encounter no, and Creation no. Museum. We produce many resources dealing with these topics to help parents and churches teach the truth about true science confirming Genesis. Okay. That's help me, Peter. That is the biggest. That is the that all right, Ken Ham's the bad guy. All right, folks, in case you were wondering what capitalism looks like. Seriously. um, you just took someone's statement of like genuine, like I'm, I've wrestled my faith. I've no pain. longer left it hurt and pain. And you've used it as a way to market yourself and like a bad, cheap telemarket. Like, like I would not be surprised if all of a sudden, and if you order two sets now, we'll also toss in the sham. Wow. Like, Oh my gosh, I got to get a drink of water. I can't, I get, yep. I get. Yeah. There's nothing here actually about, he literally only responds to Marty's claims and not Marty himself. Ah! I, I really hope that your mic picked that up so I can keep it in the episode. But yes, that okay. I've decided that that's I'm back. I've decided that that's that's the that's worst it. part of he's today. the bad guy. Yep. Um, Ken Ham is the bad guy. Um, uh, can that be the, the title kind of, of our episode? Can that Ken be the Ham title? The Ken guy? Ham is the bad guy. Um, Just, the, what what what's the what's the um Kaiser or Kaiser Soze? Um, yeah, that's <laughs> Ken Ham is Kaiser Soze. Because it's the twist at the end of the movie. Ken Ham is uh, the Kaiser Sosa. Yeah. Yep. Um, all the all the that'll be that'll be the name. All the usual suspects. Just, uh, um. All the usual suspects you, are Ken you, Ham. Yeah. How do you, ah just goodness gracious me oh my. Eh. Yep. So but I yeah think, like that's I think that really is I think that's but that kind of sums it up doesn't it like that's a little bit what John Cooper's doing. Yes. Like he's kind of like exploiting. I mean, he's doing it for a different reason, obviously, but he's kind I mean, of exploiting that. Let's be clear. So are we. Absolutely. But I think it's to discuss. Like, yeah. we're not making money. I mean, technically, we, hope. we do, we do, we do make some money from, from, from. Well, that's podcast. true. I mean, that's true. But I mean, that's my, true. my, my point being like, I, I don't think we're capitalizing on it in the same no, way that, that, that that's what, what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yes. Like, I'm not trying but to yes, sell we something. are, but we are taking advantage of this to talk about it as a podcast topic. Uh, well, that's but, true. And but I, I think, think that's what he wanted us. I think they wanted yeah, us to do. It, like, it inspires conversation. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. We're not um, trying to like say, yeah, but it's just, uh, yeah. And anyways. again, and again, that's someone not, I mean, it's just, I have the same problem with that, that I do with, with the whole thing. It's like, that's not caring about the individual. It's not like you've, you've made it either about yourself or about something that it's not instead of saying, Hey, here's someone in pain church. Let's, mm-hmm. how can we wrap ourselves around this person? Yeah. How I can think it, we, how can we so love them that even if they leave, they still want, to be a part of us. Um, I would love, um, I would love to see just this outpouring of people messaging Marty and just saying, and even John and, but especially Marty and Josh Harris in this case, and just saying, Hey, um, proud of you for what you're saying. I want you to know that I'm praying for you on your journey. And I know whether that means anything to you or not, 
Um, but really grateful for your honesty, for your authenticity and, um, and, and for not deceiving your followers too, because what's worse, the fact that there are a ton of Christian bands that are only Christian bands in name, but they're all atheists. They stopped believing long ago, but it's their job or someone who was a Christian worship leader and is honest about things and walks away from it so that he doesn't deceive anyone. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause what's false witness, you know what yeah. I mean? False witness isn't lying. It's that exactly that mm-hmm. it's claiming to be something that you're not. Yep. So I'm, yeah, I think, I think the way forward from here is absolutely to stop demonizing the people who leave the church and who walk, who question faith. I think that's the biggest answer to this episode. And I think that's what really bothers me about all of this is not as we, we demonize it to, and we demonize those people without actually treating them as people. And we shoot ourselves in the foot doing it. And it's tragic and it's, and it is so frustrating to see happen. And I have no problem if, if, and, and honestly, I'm going to go ahead and claim John's own reasoning here. If, if he believes that he has the right to hold people accountable within faith and he believes that that's a thing, then same deal. The reason I'm so harsh on John Cooper and harsher on him than I am on Marty Sampson is very much because he is, because John Cooper is a part of the, the club still. And yeah. he does subscribe to the accountability. And so his statement does lend itself to more scrutiny at this point than someone who claims to have left. And that's just reality to me. But I do hope that, that those um, of us who are on this end of it can, can respond in, with love and with support to those who are questioning their faith and on a real journey about their life. So, Tony, any final but thoughts? But I say to you, I mean, great. This is, this is my final. You have heard it said. As it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. Uh, Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Uh, Wait, nope, that's not the one. But that too. (laughs) I believe in you. There we go. (laughs) <laughs> you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Matthew 5, 43 through, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you only greet your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You must therefore be perfect your heavenly father is perfect. We got to love the people who disagree with us and who go after us. And those are the people that we need to love the most. And that's how we prove the radical, insane, otherworldly, anti, you know, uh, uh, the, the difference that Christianity has the anti-sin, the anti-selfishness that Christian Christianity has and holds. Um, the only way to do that is to, is to love the people who, who disagree with us and go after us and who are clearly in pain. And so that's my final thought. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, all of our contact info is in the show notes um, and any way to financially support us is also in the show notes. But we appreciate you. We appreciate this journey and let's keep going and seeing where absurdity leads us. Uh, Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. 
that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.